Welcome back to the United Pubcast, Barcelona 2, Manchester United 2. It is 6.50 a.m. on a Friday. We're both up around 4 o'clock in the morning for Europa League football, as is, as Manchester United fans. But, Larry, that was the furthest thing, as I said during the week, that's the furthest thing from Europa League football. Man United in their all-white kit, away at the new camp, full, full stadium away in Spain. That was Champions League football, not only between the two clubs and the history between the two clubs, but what we saw on the pitch. It was Champions League rebranded time. Don't I don't know what the Europa League is. It was just the Champions League's new unveiling with their new orange logo, and I like it. Um, what a football game, honestly. It's it's kind of refreshing to be honest. I think we've been gonna we've kind of become immune to watching Premier League football. It was actually enjoyable to watch football at a slightly slower, more technical pace. If you get what I'm saying, the Premier League is so gung ho all the time, back and forth, back and forth, but. What you saw here was two good footballing teams. And, and it was interesting because you saw two sides that are clearly imperfect, um, but nonetheless, a very entertaining game of football. Yeah, definitely. George here. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, George here, they discovered away. Yeah, we'll get into sort of where the tie stands in regards to what could have been today. Um, but obviously, the tie is sort of poised very nicely for the return leg at Old Trafford. Rob. Happy to have Larry back. I'm very proud of that. A Europa League playoff out shines the Champions League round of 16. Okay, this, I said that before, what would happen just in regards to the nature of Liverpool-Real Madrid is a big game, but ultimately Man United-Barca is the prime European tie of this round of, of fixtures in Europe. United were brave um, and we went off the game not to have... Um, sorry, United were brave and when added off the game, shame not to have won this game, we go again. 100% in regards to... Ultimately, would you say, Larry, we'll get into the ins and outs and where we do stand, but we did... Barcelona did come back. We did have the lead and we did sort of throw it away. We, we lost the lead. But I would still kind of say advantage United. Yeah, advantage United for sure. If you told me before the match that United will walk away with a draw, I'd say you'd be happy. And if you, if I told you Manchester United would score a goal and walk away with a draw, you'd be ecstatic. Um, mm. I think there's a misconception with how good Barcelona are. They're 11 points clear in La Liga. But if you actually look at the teams behind them, it's, it's not a very competitive league this season. Uh, so I think while they're the best of, while they're the best in La Liga, I think they're the best of a bad bunch. And that's not to discredit anything that they're achieving, but they're very much similar to United in the sense they're rebuilding. Uh, and, and I don't think they're the finished article. I think United absolutely have to be favourites for this return leg. Absolutely. I want to get into starting 11s in a little bit because some a huge part of the starting 11, I think, was the only real talking point. Maybe you got one Basaka and Delo. We'll get into that. But in regards to Emat here, good to see mate. someone tell me here a nine-foot-tall midfielder is. How we're lining up um, Veghorst at the moment is very interesting. And Eric Ten Hag, what's he trying to achieve? And is he getting what he wants? But very interesting in regards to see how he's sort of lined up in the number 10 position. So we'll get into 3-2-1. Oh, sorry, starting 11s, then obviously... Three, two, ones in a little bit, Larry. But just where do you stand on just, we said here, great game of football, advantage potentially towards United for the return leg. But I said before the game in regards to let's weigh up the priorities of these fixtures. Yes, you do want to win a European tie against Barcelona, of course. But we have a huge game against Leicester City. I'm sure every Manchester United fan is looking at the Premier League table now and think we're five points off top. Let's say Arsenal lose that return leg to Manchester City. Well, we're five points off Manchester City. So there's no hiding from the fact we're close to a title race, if not in the title race. So we're looking at that and we're looking at there's a tin up for grabs next week at the League Cup against Newcastle. So ultimately, I said before this Newcastle, before this Barcelona match, yeah, I do want to go through. But ultimately, what I do want to see is a good performance and look like we belong with the Spanish leaders. So wherever Barcelona, if they're in the Europa League or if they're the club they not the club they once were. Ultimately, they're the team leading Spain. If we can go there and not sort of camp in our own box and park the bus 
and sort of look like we belong. And that, that spells, well, I thought, well, the better team today. So in spells, dominate the game, which even under Ferguson, we never went to Barcelona and dominated the game, far from even at our best. It was 2007-2008 when we had Ronaldo. It was nil all draw, draw there. We'll park in the bus. And that was well, the best team in Europe, and we did that. But ultimately, now to go to Barcelona and be the better team for large chunks, I thought ultimately, was the result good? Was the result bad? That's up for debate. But from what I wanted to see this week and where Manchester United's progression is, I was over the moon with what I saw. Absolutely. You have to also take into account, adding to what you've said, Tom, the, the caliber of players on that pitch for Manchester United, there's an upgrade to be had. Let's look at who was missing today, and I think that's why this result can't be underestimated. Lissandro Martinez, Anthony Martial. Whatever you think of Anthony, he does offer something off the right-hand side that we were missing today. So you look at those key outs, and then on top of that, Christian Eriksen. Look at some of the disastrous balls that Fred was playing. Even Casemiro, I thought, had quite a poor game with the ball. You put Casemiro in that sorry, you put Christian Eriksen in that midfield. You put Anthony Martial up front and allow Rashford actually pay off the left. Even Anthony on the right in terms of the balance of the side. Completely different football game. I think we would have walked away with a comfortable victory. So when you consider, I, I think that's where my confidence. I think that's where my confidence is ahead of the second leg in terms of potential. Obviously, got Sabitzer coming back, Lissandro Martinez, which I think pushes short a left back, which I think gives us a little bit, bit more balance. And I thought Malassi had a good game in terms of the job he had to do. So ultimately, Eric Ten Hag's in regards to the start in eleven. I think his hands are a little bit tied in regards to injuries and suspensions. But in regards to the start in eleven, I think the only one is Wan-Bissaka and Delo. And we'll get into Wan-Bissaka's performance, whether it was brilliant or not quite brilliant. I'm not sure. I think I was a little bit in between. But um, ultimately, Wan-Bissaka got the nod there. And the only other thing in regards to start in eleven, which we Emad touched on earlier in, the, in regards to Veghorst, is this just in regards to very specific incidents in regards to the last game where he dropped him into the number 10 and away at the new camp? You don't play that every week. Is Eric Ten Hag, is this something in the future he sees um, Veghorst playing a little bit deeper or is it just a coincidence two games in a row he's felt a specific need? Uh, whatever it is, I don't think it worked, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I, I think he's doing it out of necessity because, as a few have alluded to in the comments, Rashford's our only outlet at the moment. And when you've got a goal scorer in that form, you need him as close to the goal as possible. So I can understand Rashford being central. I think when you play Rashford central while he can play there, I think you take something away from his game. Uh, and I think he's much better coming in off that left-hand side. The problem is there's simply no options. Um, in terms of is this a long-term – I don't want to call it a solution. Is this a long-term option for Ten Hag? Maybe depending on the game. Um, I don't think it worked today. I think we we looked to go long to Valt Veghorst. I, I don't think he, he – he didn't seem to assert himself in the game. He didn't dominate in the air. He wasn't winning his duels. Um, not, not a bad performance. I think he worked absolutely – uh, relentlessly, and I have to give him credit for that. But in saying that, I think that's the bare minimum. So defensively, he did a job, but with the ball, I don't think he added anything. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's such a tricky one. Even the last game where he, before he dropped in on the number 10, I was screaming to get him off the pitch, then ultimately went in a number 10 and sort of changed the game. So I think Veghorst is one of those ones maybe a lot of the work does go unnoticed to our sort of so-called untrained eyes compared to what Eric Ten Hag is, is viewing. So it's very interesting. I'd love to sort of see Eric Ten Hag's post-match comments and if he's quizzed on why he did start um, Veghorst a little bit deeper. But Juddy here, 
Proud of the team of our first big night in Europe under Ten Hard Advantage United going back to Old Trafford with the crowd behind us. It definitely has, as I said, it's Champions League feel going back to Old Trafford now, and that's all we can ask for in regards to what we want to feel as fans. But before we sort of get into the specifics of the match, Larry, is there anything just in regards to the way we played? As I said, we're proud, and I think a lot of that is sort of summed up in the live chat there in regards there is a feel-good feeling in terms of the way we approached the match. But um, we did approach the match in the right way, and I thought we did play well. But ultimately, we kind of... We're a little bit ahead of schedule. We're trying to play a little bit too much at times, do you think, in regards to the tools at our disposal in terms of, okay, if we had a better football in right back, maybe we could play a little bit better from the right-hand side with Juan Bissaka. If, as you say, Sabitzo or Eriksson were in for Fred, do we a little bit better. So I'm just thinking, did Eric Ten Hag get it right? Or was, well, obviously he did, but was it a little bit potentially too risky? No, I actually thought the game plan was perfect. If anything, I put the onus back on the players. I thought a, a few of our players didn't take their opportunities on another day, Tom, I wonder if so generally, right. When you're talking about getting a result in a football game, you need six or seven of your players to be above average. I thought the majority of United players were actually below average this game. I thought we had a few really good performances and then everyone else was okay or below par. Uh, If I look at Barcelona, for example, I thought United, set up tactically brilliantly in the midfield because we don't have the better technical players, but for whatever reason, Ten Hag systemically set United up in a way to get on the ball. Now, of course, Barcelona had their moments because, as I just said, technically superior players. But ultimately, you have to say United were in control for large components of that match, particularly away from home. You can't ask for more. Let me ask you this question. Look at Barcelona and their attacking threats. Look at what Rafinha offered from the right-hand side, who I thought had a really good game. But then you look at United on the other side of that. Jadon Sancho, ineffective, quite quiet. Um, Bruno Fernandes being deployed in wide areas. Um, I think if United can, what, what would you do in the return leg? Would you try and tinker with that? Do you think United go on the front foot and try and win the game? Or do you expect United to set up like they did today, where it's kind of like a a middle press almost um, and try yeah. and keep that middle compact and, and get them on the counter. Cause we have to win the game now. Right. So how, if you're Ten Hag, how do you set up? Yeah, it's very tricky. And I'll go back to priorities and ultimately Eric Ten Hag is right in the way he approaches every game. He says the next game is the priority, but there's no hiding from the fact we have a big game against Leicester city on the weekend. Is that going to change the team selection in regards to if someone gets injured or suffers a bit of fatigue? Then a couple of days after the match against Barcelona, we've got a trophy up for grabs in the league cup final. So ultimately, do you potentially have one eye on that in regards to keeping people fit? And I think that is a huge priority. While I do want to go through against Barcelona, we do have to look and keep people fresh for that League Cup final. So um, it's very interesting. I think they'll potentially be very interesting in terms of the the front area of the pitch, um, whether we play... I have a feeling Beckhorst potentially be dropped for the return leg, just in regards to a little bit more movement up front. I think you could potentially Ganacho away at the uh, away at the New Camps, maybe a bit tricky from the start, but at Old Trafford, if he's in form, if he has a good game against Leicester, potentially you could see him coming in. Anthony, maybe you could switch Sancho to the left, and Anthony, if he comes in on the right, if he's fit, he looks like he's potentially close to a return. Scott McTominay, obviously not to be started, but he's coming back. So it does look like numbers is coming back, and that potentially does sort of increase the flexibility for Eric Ten Hag. So ultimately, I think in terms of, uh, I think Sabitz will come in um, in regards to just getting on the ball a little bit more than what Fred does. And Fred, again today, he'll come up in the 3-2-1s, whether someone thought he was man of the match or the worst player. I think he is what he is. It was Fred. It was a little bit of both. But I think in the return leg, we'll want a little bit more control, and I think we will 
have a little bit more control, and I think that's maybe Sabitzer over Fred. But also, I think a huge part of that will come from Lissandro Martinez returning. I think that'll push Luke Shaw to left back. Lissandro Martinez, um, obviously very comfortable on the ball, so I think it'll be more comfortable display um, in the return leg. Does that mean we'll get the result? I'm not sure. Barcelona, still, you saw today, they had huge quality. So before we get into sort of wrapping up the quick review of the match and 3 2 one, just on Barcelona. Let's see, they are. They're in the same position as us. They're in the Europa League. Only a couple of months ago, we'll scroll through Twitter every couple of days looking at the absolute crisis they were in off the field. But ultimately, you do watch them play, and I think the main man everyone sort of did have their eye on today was Frankie de Jong in regards to, okay, could, could you sub out Fred and put Frankie de Jong next to Casemiro? What does that look like? I'm sure everyone sort of had that vision in their mind. Just what did you make of de Jong? Because, well, or whoever from Barcelona, obviously, maybe two good things for United in regards to that return leg. Pedri's gone off injured. Hopefully, he's out. And Gavi's suspended. So two of their key players are out. Whether Busquets comes back, I'm not sure. But what did you make of Frankie de Jong and any other individuals for Barca? Uh, I thought he was all right. It didn't do anything significant of note. And again, credit to Ten Hag because how he set up, he kept him quiet. I I don't know. Uh, I think Frankie de Jong's best position is as an eight. He's clearly playing as a six for Barcelona at the moment. And I think that's to allow Pedri to get further forward. Um because I guess Pedri's the younger player who's a bit perhaps more flamboyant or or can just offer more in the final third as opposed to what he can offer defensively. But um, the thing is, if you look at... Obviously, we're heavily linked with Frankie de Jong and then we got Casemiro. They're very different players. Um, I think Casemiro can dictate the pace of a game, but it's not what you'd call his ultimate strength. I think he's there for his defensive screening. He's there for his combativeness. Um, and he's there to actually offer something going forward. I wonder if Frankie de Jong walked into a United midfield, does he upset the balance? Because I think if I, if I look at that United team right now, we need a box-to-box midfielder who can get forward, score goals, be creative. Is Frankie de Jong that player? Can he, is he the type to dribble past people? Um, I guess that would be my question. Um, I don't know if he walks into a United team anymore now that we've gotten the Brazilian maestro. Emad here going along the lines of your thing, a very Bruno like performance from Frankie, non existent. I thought if we were Manchester United and that was Christian Eriksen, would be saying faultless. But this is where Man United, we're looking at when Man United have the ball, how we defend, we're not looking at it from the Barcelona's point of view. I thought it was simply what Christian, to a higher degree, to a higher level, what Frankie de Jong was doing was just what we want from Sabitzer, just what Christian Eriksen provides only at a far, far higher level. Uh, I thought Frankie de Jong, Eric Ten Hag would be saying, yeah, get him in my midfield. Uh, I, th- I thought he was not brilliant, but in regards to that was a Man United performance, uh, Frankie de Jong will be waxing lyrical over it. It was a very Carrick performance, I think would actually be the most like-for-like like comparison, right? Um, and I, I agree with you. Like, I'm not... He wasn't bad. I said he was He was all right. Like, he was solid. Um, he controlled the game, but I thought... And look, you have to say, and, and to your point, when Barcelona got to 2 wall, they increased the intensity. So you have to put credit to him. He's allowing that pace to pick up. So there's definitely a, a composure to him. But I guess my question is, Frankie de Jong's an elite player. If you're Manchester United, you want the best players. But... I think him and Casemiro occupy similar positions on the pitch. Mm. So I don't know where he fits in in a current United side because I think Casemiro can still give us at least another two, three seasons. And then is Frankie de Jong an eight? Well, he, he could be, but I don't know if he's the eight that United needs. So I guess there's this fine balancing act of is he the, is, does he fit or are we putting a square peg into a round hole? 
We definitely look at United's transfer dealings. Would we have Casemiro if we got Frankie de Jong? Probably not. I think that Casemiro deal came off the back of that one falling through. But um, Juddy here saying Barca had only conceded seven goals in the league of this season. We scored two of them tonight. Yes, we need a box-to-box midfielder, but would rather a versatile eight or six as cover for Casemiro also. So on the goals, though, we did score two goals away at the new camp. Marcus Rashford, I'm giving Marcus Rashford the second goal in regards to as soon as he sort of stood up Rafinha on the, on the corner, he said, something's going to happen here. And he went past him and sort of bundled home off Kunde, I think. But I'm giving that to Marcus Rashford. And obviously the first goal, um, shocking ball by Casemiro, which sort of shinned off his ankle, um, somehow found its way to Fred. I don't know where Casemiro was passing it, but it definitely wasn't to Fred. Found itself to Fred, who played a nice ball into Marcus Rashford, who got the goal. But um, Marcus Rashford scoring, I say scoring two goals, but you know what I mean? Um, two goals away at the new Camp. Um, it's a big thing. It's a big thing for Manchester United for a player to do that. Yeah, of course it is. I think only two United players have scored at the new Camp prior. So Marcus Rashford puts himself in the history books. Only the third United player to score against Barcelona at the new Camp. It's not to be, you know, it's not to be shrugged at. It, it, it's it's significant and it tells you where this player is at in terms of his confidence and the way he's playing at the moment. Um, we have to talk about the potential penalty or non-penalty. Um, I, obviously, I know it's it's Barcelona's home game. Can I say, wait, hold on, before we get there. Sorry for anyone who's not in Australia. The coverage was appalling. The, the commentary was on delay. They've muted the crowd. Like, you can't hear the crowd. Like, the goal's going in, and it's like the crowd's sitting in silence. Sort yourself Yeah, well, the, out, then the commentator isn't in the ground. He, the commentator's in a studio. That, that's the reason they, they block that noise, and obviously there is that delay because the connection isn't there. So, yeah, I, I well, completely share those frustrations. But on that penalty or non-penalty, I think, yeah, 100%, your first instinct is always you watch it, foul, penalty. I think the reason they haven't given it is if you do go back and watch the replay... I think technically they could get awarded outside the box. And if they're going to award it outside the box for a free kick, technically you can't go back and deal with it. So that, that is where I think that, that decision has fallen down. But ultimately, it was a shocking decision, in my opinion. And I think Barcelona scored a minute or two after. So again, fine margins do change those games. We've talked about the two goals at our end of the pitch. At the other end of the pitch, Barcelona, unfortunately, did score two goals. Marcus Alonso, I don't care if I'm watching Central Coast Mariners against Mumbai. Marcus Alonso scores. Every football match I watch throughout the last 10 years, Marcus Alonso scores. I don't understand how he does it. Every single game I, I turn the TV on, Marcus Alonso's on the score sheet. Absolutely baffles me. Um, I just hope it stops at some stage. And ultimately, the goal was at Rafinha Lewandowski. own goal, I'm not sure. I think Rafinha will probably get credited with it. Casemiro. Um, we love Casemiro. I think he's been brilliant for Manchester United. Of course he has. Um, on the ball today, a little bit sloppy and um, potentially did prove quite costly. I wonder if Casemiro is in the Wayne Rooney mold where when he's not playing football games, does he need a game or two to kind of get his yeah. rustiness off? Yeah, I thought uh, he looked a bit rusty, yeah. He, he's, he's the most confusing player because I see him at times be so sloppy on the ball and I'm like, but then you, you see him and the way he gets the ball out of the back four is, yeah. is so noticeable when he's not there. So it, it it's a baffling one. I just yeah, maybe may, I'm just going to put it down to a bit of match rhythm. Um, he yeah. obviously hasn't played for a, a, just over a week or so. Um, feels like he hasn't played for two months, but uh, it's good to see him back. And it's going to be a, a, a sore reminder against Leicester when he's not lining up. Yeah, well, he gets a rest against Leicester. And he's back there for the return leg against Newcastle or against Barcelona. And then fingers crossed, fully fit for Newcastle, and maybe he will be in um, in his groove then. Question here, Emad. We'll, we'll get into three, two, ones in a little bit. De Gea was offered today as well. I thought, 
I was so mixed on De Gea in regards to he was coming collecting or collecting crosses. He was dealing with crosses, which was very good. On the ball, I still you thought it's David De Gea on the ball, so that's up for debate. I thought we're playing out from the back quite well, but ultimately let down in one or two key areas. And I also look at that from maybe a negative from Manchester United, but also what do we know of Barcelona? They're absolutely the masters of that in terms of the way they press and the traps they set. So sometimes you sort of take your hat off and say, well, Barcelona are very good at what they do in regards to making playing out from the back very difficult. But De Gea, but ultimately some big saves as well from David De Gea. Um, before you get in three, two, one, see Larry, um, does McTominay get that leeway when he comes back or nah? It'll be well, my vision of that was Vedcourst in midfield. I was thinking, is, is Eric Ten Hag trying to recreate Scott McTominay in midfield for the new, for the League Cup final against Newcastle? <laughs> Um, if if McTominay performed to the level of Casemiro every week, well, then uh, he'd obviously have more credit in the bank, wouldn't he? But he doesn't, and that's the problem. Well, we'll get in the 3 2 ones, Larry. Um, Marcus Rashford, three points. Has to be, doesn't it? Um, what do you make of his performance? Take away the goals. Um, I, what I took from his performance wasn't so much was he good, was he bad, or was it just simply Marcus Rashford? I looked at it from Barcelona's point of view. Barcelona was shit scared of him. And I just think that that's a that's a trait to have. If you can scare the opposition without really doing anything, they just saw the name on the back of the shirt. They thought, oh, geez, what's happening here? And that changed the game in Manchester United's favour. Like if the other team had Lionel Messi, would be gone, oh, what's happening here? Even if he's not touching the ball. So I think that was a huge thing in Marcus Rashford's, um, I'd say, performance. You know what I like about Marcus at the moment? He's really simplified his game. He's, he's not doing anything outrageous. Um, it's a small touch, and I know it didn't end up in a penalty. The way he shields the ball when uh, Kunde takes him down in the box. So he knows he's obviously a right-footed player. He's on the right. He can see the defender coming on his left, and then he's, he's covering the ball by um, – sorry, I'm, I'm missing the technical term, but he's, he's, he's basically doing step over. He, he does the step, the running step over as he's going. Just a small touch, but when you think of a defender coming to that side – it's genius because if he hits your leg, it's a penalty. Um, just the simple things he's doing right. When there's nothing on, he's keeping possession and recycling the ball. Just these tiny these tiny glimpses of maturity in his game, that's what I'm really pleased about. He's not overcomplicating it. He's not trying to beat his man and all the time if it's not on. Um, but he's being confident. And, and you got to say, Tom, in terms of our 3-2-1s, he continues to score goals. He's now matched his best ever goal return for Manchester United. Yeah, I heard that during the commentary, yeah. So it's more than that Solskjaer season he scored. He's matched it now. Okay, so that's it, yeah. his 22nd goal of the season, which is what he matched in 1920. So the goal has to be 30 for, for, for Marcus. He has to score 30 goals this season. I think just the standard he's now set himself, we're halfway through February. He's yeah. got 30 has got to be the target. And if he can score 30 or more, then I think United walk away with a trophy this season. Fingers crossed. Well, there is 30 in the chat, so if you are confident United and Marcus Rashford could lift a trophy, please do leave a like on the video. So Rashford gets the three points. Georgie, I'm going to need help by you, Larry, and also people in the live chat. So get all your three, two, ones in. George has gone two for Fred and one for Troll Malassia. I don't know if that – I'm not, not, not disagreeing, George, but my three, two, ones for two points and one, I have no idea. I think Rashford definitely steals it for three points. But other than that, I look at Fred, I think, yeah, definitely worth two points. But I also think I could give minus two points for Fred. And I'm just thinking, same for Wan-Bissaka. I thought he's up for a shout as one of our best players, but ultimately I think it would make a very valid case that he's our worst player. So I'm not sure who three two ones today. Um, just your thoughts on potentially two points. It's those two players for me. Um, it would honestly be Fred and Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka, <laughs> everything you said is right. That, I think it was Casemiro who 
got the ball out in a good position to Wamba Saka. He had all the time in the world, and he takes the biggest touch I've ever seen in my life. And then I just, but then if if that was Diogo Delo, Diogo Delo doesn't get back to make the last ditch save and recover. So Wamba Saka, I mean, look, he's not the perfect footballer. We know that, but for what he offers you defensively. That's the extra bit of reliability that I like with Wambasaka that I don't like with Delo. I think Delo's not perfect on the ball. And on top of that, he's not as good a defender as Wambasaka. So between the two players, if you're going to dominate the ball, go Diogo Delo. But nine times out of ten, if it's a, it's a final, I'd actually be going Aaron Wambasaka right now, Tom. Do you think looking at it, and we'll continue with the three two ones, but do you look at that? We sit here at the start of the podcast saying how proud we are. We've gone to the new camp. It almost felt like a win in regards to the way we played. And so, a good result. Okay, got the two goals draw. Um, Ties nicely poised for the, for the return at Old Trafford. But ultimately, saying what a good performance. That felt like Manchester United. But here we are at full time thinking, don't know who played well. Like, do you think I put all that down to sort of the brilliance of Eric Ten Hag in regards to, as I say, the system and the collective? I think if we were given three points, and Eric Ten Hag was up for, um, for, for points, we'd have to give it to him because ultimately we're looking at such a good performance or such a positive performance, but really we're singling out individuals and saying, well, he wasn't really at it, he wasn't really at it, he wasn't really at it. But as a collective, um, it's stuck together. And that's that's spot on. And if uh, if you want to make a tweak to the rules as we're going, I would happily give points to Ten Hag because what you're saying is exactly right. It's, it is the collective. And, and as a functioning unit, I haven't seen United look this good since Fergie, and, and that's yeah. sorry, I should say, sorry, Alex. I know Fergie doesn't like it when people call him Fergie. Um, as a collective, you honestly, and whether we go on to win the title or whatever, I mean, look, look at this squad. Look at this squad. We're five points off top. That squad has no right. So full credit to the manager. He's he's getting a tune in. You it say that one Basaka for me. You say that, and look, not not to stray too far through to one. You say we don't deserve to be in the title race in regards to the squad. Arsenal's squad is top. Okay, well, second now. Technically, they can move back top. I think if Arsenal's squad is top, why can't United's? Yeah, but I suppose they're further along in the process. I mean, yeah. is Arteta's fourth season? Yeah, yeah no, there's definitely is that. But just on paper. Can, can I be honest? I look at our 11. I look at Arsenal's 11. I genuinely think ours is better. I really no, that's, do. Yeah, that's what I mean. On paper, now, yes, there is the variables in regards to, okay, experience and know-how and as they, that consistency they've been together. So, obviously, there is that uh, 100%. But, yes, in regards to, look, two days ago, I so said I'm not going to be looking at the Premier League ladder no matter what happens. Suddenly, City get that win and we're only five points behind them. Suddenly, I'm looking at the Premier League ladder. But that's for a debate for another day. This is um, Europa League or, should I say, Champions League football. So, we'll go with Rashford for three points. As I said, get your thoughts in the live chat because I'm struggling. I said potentially those two names um, are coming to mind, Fred and Wambasaka. So I'll give you the floor for two points. Um, it's between them or is anyone in potentially with a shout? It has to be those two for me. Um, and the reason I say that is as frustrating as they are, a misplaced pass, a bad first touch, do we concede more goals if they're not. Can I throw one name, not to so much say his points, but just a notable mention in regards to what he had to deal with either side. Okay, young left back, uh, makeshift um, centre-back, and the issues Wan-Bissaka brings at the right back. Rafael Varane, in terms of potentially a bit of a leadership sort of performance at the back. Sloppy, though. Yeah, yeah a little bit, but... Yeah, oh, look, and ultimately conceded two goals. Well, the whole back four did concede the two goals. So definitely not clamouring for three points with a run. But I thought, well, tough Fred's time. Fred's kind of that for the first goal, isn't he? He he loses his man, doesn't compete. I didn't I didn't bother watching any replays. When he, Alonso scored, I, I walked off. I well, didn't Alonso see any replays. Over Fred. It was Fred who lost no. his man. So 
I mean, you, you know what? I just sat here criticizing him for five minutes. I, I could give it to Veghorst just for his work rate off the ball. <sighs> Veghorst is a tricky he one. Works hard, oh. He works hard. I don't, I don't think that should be understated. He runs all game. And he's not a midfielder, and he played like a midfielder. And when you're that big frame running around all game, mate, full credit to you, his knees would be banging sore. Well, look, I'm just going back through the comments here, and George reminds me, I thought Malassia, in regards to his impact and the struggles he had to deal yeah, with Malassia in regards to Rafinha, Malassia, to go away to the new camp for Manchester United, the young player who's sort of been in and out of the team, I do have to sort of weigh that Rafinha's up. Rafinha's a, a very player, good man. Rafinha's a player. He's so good. When he was at Leeds, I was like, man, if United got this guy, I'd be pretty happy. Well, he keeps he's Anthony out of the Brazil team. Well, he keeps him out. Like he's preferred. Yeah, he's first choice. He's a great. He's a really. He's probably the best. Is he? Is he the best in his position right now? Rafinha. He's, he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah. Well, well, if, if you're if you're in that Barcelona team who's leading La Liga by that many points, um, you've got to be doing something right. So, so Malatia then has to be doing something right to keep him. He wasn't quiet. I mean, Rafinha had a good game, but he 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 made a good account for himself. Look, I would actually potentially now off the back of that. Thanks, George. I'll be going Malaysia for two points because I think Fred and Wambasaka were so. As I said, they're in with a shout for points here, but I think they could also be in sort of contention for to losing points. I thought at times, so I can't sort of justify giving them two points. So I'll go Malaysia two points, one point. I'll throw it to you, Fred or Wambasaka. Uh, I'll give it a Fred because I know you're on the McTominay fan bus, uh, so I have to give it a Fred. Okay, we'll go Marcus Rashford for three, Terrell Malassia for two. Congratulations to him. And we'll give Fred the point. And you speak about McTominay, not him um, in a specific sense, but obviously Anthony Marshall, Scott McTominay and Anthony all look from Eric Ten Hag's recent comments that they will be not available, but sort of in contention in, in and around that League Cup final squad, which is ultimately a good thing. Is you do look at the bench today, Larry, we'll say what proud we obviously were in regards to Manchester United in terms of going away to the new camp, one of our academy products, Marcus Rashford scoring goals, Ganacho coming off the bench. Ultimately, did see that bench. Man United released a, an image uh, of all the players who travelled to Spain. They were only three midfielders. Bruno Fernandes, Fred and Casemiro, the only three midfielders. On the bench was Zidane, and not to discredit Zidane, Iqbal, Colby Mane, or Fekindo Palestri. But you're not going to bring them on at the new camp. And I'm just thinking, I think that goes to show how sort of Eric Ten Hag's hands were tied in regards to our availability. So whatever you think of a Scott McTominay or something, when he comes back in a week or two, it's going to be pivotal to have 20 minutes here, 40 minutes there sort of thing. No, you're right. You're right. Um, and look, McTominay is not like, you know, when I criticize McTominay, it's, it, it's not to slag him off or say he doesn't deserve, like, you know, we met, I met him in Melbourne. Lovely bloke, lovely bloke. He loves United. He wants to do well. He tries hard and he's worked hard on his game, but um, look, he's, he's, um, he's not as frustrating as Fred, but I think, for all of Fred's faults, and well, Fred, I, I want to. Sometimes I want to hug him. Sometimes I want to punch him. But the the thing with Fred is he doesn't shy away from it. Like he knows he's got a bad first touch at times, but he'll still put himself in a position to take it, even though he kills us. He's still confident and he'll back himself and he'll try and he hustles. And Fred offers something, you know. Like I don't know if we get a draw if Fred doesn't play today. Whereas when McTominay plays, I think he's just more dispensable than Fred is. And that's not to, you know, I'm not trying to discredit McTominay. I like him and I want him to do well. But when you look at what both those players offer, if you're choosing one, when Fred is good, when both players perform to their potential, Fred probably offers that little bit more. And I think that's just the reality of it. It's interesting. Um, as I said, that debate changes very quickly. Um, your thoughts a week ago, what was, what was the performance Fred put in the other day? I'm trying to. The thing is, their worst performances, so 
here's the thing, right? With, with McTominay's worst performance is nowhere near as bad as Fred's worst performance. And I think that's that's very valid. But the point is when when both are playing to, at their best, Fred g- gives you a bit more. Um, I just don't feel McTominay, and look, there's, there's debate for another day. I never feel he's really given the opportunity to play in his preferred role in terms of he has to, over the years, cover because managers can't trust Fred in a certain role. McTominay's had to do that role. So I've never had a consistent run. Every time McTominay plays a little bit further forward, we see something. I just think we maybe need a little bit more of that. But obviously a manager, whether it be Solskjaer, Rangu, Eriton, I can't trust Fred in that type of role. So you have to lesser it to But that's a debate for another day. And ultimately it's only a feel-good factor at the moment. So fingers crossed McTominay can get back and sort of contribute towards the end of the season. And um, we'll weigh up that debate in regards to the contract situation at the end. But um Pretty much comes close to wrapping up the podcast up. I haven't looked at the other Europa League fixtures this morning because, quite frankly, I don't care who's playing in there. I know Arsenal's in the competition, but they don't play for another round because um, they've got through. Champions League was on during the week. Um, what did you make of that? Did you see the Champions League match between Bayern Munich and PSG the other day? I was speaking to Adam yesterday, and it was just a case of that PSG front three. Okay, you talk about paper. They look good. Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, they were woeful. And look, on another day, they scored 10 goals in the last 10 minutes and they look absolutely brilliant. But their work rate as a front three was pathetic. That three only works on FIFA, honestly, or football manager. You put them on, like, they're just, this is why they, they dominate Ligue 1 because they're good players. But when it comes to sides that can match them in terms of ball retention and competitiveness, they struggle, and this is why they will never win the Champions League while ever they chase the big-name signing. But soon, that won't be a problem because Qatar is going to have investment in another football club, a bigger football club. And what? And I, I suspect one of those front three players will probably play for Manchester United. So, yeah. Who knows the situation? Two or three of them could end up. But in regards to this 2-2 draw, just to wrap up, 2-2 draw, we think, okay, good, come back to Old Trafford. Would your opinion change, and whether positively or negatively, if there were two away goals, like in regards to the rules? I think we'll be having a far different discussion if there were two away goals, like away, like counted as away goals. Yeah, of course we would. Um, but I guess I would argue, I think the way, I like that rule change, by the way, because I think I it's kind of encouraged teams away from home to play attacking football. Because um, the thing is, mm. I don't know if United. I think United probably set up a bit more conservative um, if the if the away goal rule applies. Um, so, I mean, who knows? It, it's one of those. It's it's really awkward for that reason. Um, so, I, I like the rule change. I get what you're saying, but would the game have played out the same way? I don't think it would have. Uh, well, one of the, as I said, go back to before the game in terms of what I wanted to see, what it, sort of what would make me happy in regards to this performance slash result. I got my answer a couple of minutes into the match, and obviously throughout pretty much the whole match, but especially that first half. When we're playing out from the back, now I have my concerns when we play out from the back because I don't I don't feel too confident. So I do sort of have a little bit of hesitancy when we're lining up for a goal kick. When we were lining up for a goal kick, Luke Shaw was on one edge of the six-yard box to take that short one to David De Gea. Terrell Molassi was on halfway. And I'm just thinking the change in approach and the change in mentality from Manchester United. Like a year or two years ago, if we had a goal kick, our back four would have been on the goal line. Instead of waiting, don't come past us. But Patron Molassi was in the other in the Barcelona half when we were taking goal kicks. And I just think that confidence and belief and sort of simply the quality of the coach in terms of how Eric Ten Hag's got his message across, to be able to do that, not just in general, I'd be I'd be pleased if we were doing that at home to at, at home to Bournemouth. I think, oh good, that's confident of the team. To be able to do that away at the new camp in Barcelona. I think you have to give one hundred percent credit to both the players, but especially in my opinion, in terms of the way he's got this across. The manager, um, 
he looks a little bit too at home at new, the new camp. I think it's kind of suited him there. I didn't like the look of that. You could see Ten Hag being a Barcelona yeah. manager, couldn't you? Uh, no, definitely just the photos, you think. Yep, yep, I can see him there. And I think there's potentially he wants to be there as well. Well, he's a massive... I mean, even this week, he, he's, he's clearly a Johan Cruyff disciple. Yeah. Um, and you, I don't think you can... Dis, when you talk about Barcelona, you have to talk about Cruyff because everything about that club's philosophy came from the Dutchman. Um, in saying that, I, I do think if Ten Hag is successful at United... I can't see United letting him go. I think they'll just throw the whatever money that he needs, whatever power he needs. They'll do everything they can to keep him happy. Um, so I and look, Chavi's doing a good job there. I think that's always, yeah. you know, if we need to give ourselves peace of mind. Chavi's a player. Chavi's a club legend. I think they'll want Chavi to do well, um, and I think he's got the backing of some very powerful people there. So long may it continue for Barcelona because I want to keep the beautiful bald Dutchman at United. No, fingers crossed. And ultimately, if he does go to Barcelona at some stage in his career, hopefully it's after he's won the lot at Old Trafford. You speak about Xavi there. I was watching, just to get in the mood for the Man United-Barcelona game, I was watching the famous 3-3 draw at the new camp back in the 98-99 season, treble winning season. Um, well, obviously, everyone remembers that game, the new camp, the Andy Cole goal, where um sort of plays a nice little one-two with Dwight York. Xavi, as a kid, as a teenager, was playing in that midfield for Barcelona. And um, goes to show you how, um, how football moves on. Um, he's, he's running the show um, as a kid for Barcelona there. 2023, he's managing. But um, look, a true sign of the times. But Larry, um, it's Friday morning here, about to head off to work. But ultimately, usually Manchester United don't win a football match. Ruins the day, ruins the week. But in this context, I think we can sort of say, okay, job done, let's go. And uh, there's a feel-good factor heading into the weekend and Leicester. Absolutely. Um, you know what's really interesting about the Europa League? I want us to get through Barcelona, but then I couldn't really care about what happens after that. You say that, but we'll draw Arsenal or something in the next round. I mean, that's the only tie that would get the juices flowing. But honestly, like, who cares? I think just considering our position in the league, like, Ten Hag will need to prioritise at some point, And it has to be the league at the moment. Just we're, we're, we're too close not to fight for it. Well, just on that, I think just in regards to the way the weekend will set up, and obviously we're doing this on a Friday, I think we're both out tonight. We probably won't do a preview for Leicester, but just two or three minutes to wrap up on the Premier League. Here we are, two days ago, so not going to get tied into this t- title talk in regards to we've been burned before. There's no point in looking at it. Let's just sort of focus on the next game. Let's worry about potentially getting away from fifth rather than catch the top. But ultimately, after that match against City and Arsenal, obviously Arsenal do have a game in hand, but ultimately you think they're going to lose that potential next game to Manchester City. So there's definitely a loss on the cards coming for Arsenal, which will keep City at the top by five points over Manchester United title. Just your latest thoughts. Are you trying not to get sort of brought into it or is it just simply maths will tell you we are in it? Do I think United are in a title race? Mathematically, yes, they are. And if you're Eric Ten Hag, I think the mentality has to be to these players you're five points off the top. Let's go for it. He can't be in that dressing room saying, let's get top four. He has to set the standard with these group of players to say, believe, challenge, go high. And the thing is, if you look up and you fall short, you can live with that. But if you're looking down and you're trying to stay where you are, that's not the mentality of a Manchester United player. So I think that the goal has to be push as far as we can. In the end, I think we won't get there, obviously. Uh, But... That's what it has to be. And who knows? That's the thing. I, look at City. They're vulnerable. They, they, they can beat Arsenal, but then we've beaten Arsenal at time this season as well. Um, and i got to say, like, I don't, while I don't want City to do three in a row, it was so good 
being on Twitter yesterday. So quiet. It's beautiful. It was so nice. Yeah, look, look, I've got to the stage where I'm almost thinking in regards to the way football's playing out, I'm actually maybe hoping City go and win it because in two or three years they'll be stripped of the title. Then we can sort of just sort of rub it off. So I think if Arsenal win it, that they'll keep it. So I think maybe at the moment in regards to dealing with Arsenal fans, I could afford City winning the league if we don't. And um, in two or three years they get stripped of it. And if we finish second, who knows, we'll get awarded it. But in regards to the match you talk about, it has to be priority of the league in regards to those points. We do have a big game against Leicester, but then a couple of days later, we've got Barcelona again in a very important match. So obviously, Casemiro is out for the Leicester match. Um, with those returning players in Anthony Martial, Anthony and Scott McTominay, you wouldn't expect anyone to come back in the starting lineup if they're available, but maybe one's on the bench potentially. Just what are you thinking in regards to a starting lineup? For Leicester? Hmm. If Martial's fit, I, he has to start. He's the he's had such a frustrating season, Martial, hasn't he? But when he's on the pitch, you can't argue. United play their best football. Um, if you're Ten Hag, you got to try and get him right. I, I know. I think he's um, potentially, was, uh, from the way I interpreted Eric Ten Hag's comments, he's potentially further away than Anthony and Scott McTominay. But that, I might be wrong. Yeah. That was just my interpretation. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, I want to see Sancho on the right. I just I don't like him on the left. Uh, he had a good cameo. Who was it against? He, he played a good game on the, on the left the other day, scored a goal. can't remember who Leeds. was against him. Leeds. Um, but I think Sancho offers more balance on the right. So I would like to see that experimented with because I think Anacho does a job on the left and I think he's very capable of deputizing for Rashford as well. Um, but With Barcelona in mind, and as I say, Leicester is the priority in regards to win title race, three points. Casemiro is out, so it's midfield kind of pick itself with Bruno, um, Bruno Sabitzer and Fred, or could you see a bit of a curveball somewhere in there with Barcelona in mind? I'll tell you what, if McTominay was fit, I'd be tempted to go McTominay and Sabitzer because I want to see Sabitzer play in a more advanced role to get him ahead. Our strongest 11 has to have Sabitzer and Casemiro in the heart of the midfield. I think Fred needs to be relegated. Um so I'd be setting up for that. Well, that's not McTominay's strength. You, we need to see Sabitzer played further forward so we can get him to kind of get used to his role in the team. So that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, it will be interesting. Fingers crossed it's three points, but almost most importantly for the week ahead, three points, and more importantly, no injuries. Um, we need a fully fit team for the return leg against Barcelona and obviously the League Cup final um, against Newcastle. And if you are in Sydney, um, we'll be setting the alarms and heading to the pub at 3.30 in the morning on Monday, um, Monday morning is Sunday night for the League Cup final, obviously Monday in Sydney. So that'll be one uh, taking the day off work or taking the morning off work for that one. And um, yeah, big night ahead and big morning ahead for Manchester United fans. But um, until then, hopefully everyone did enjoy that. I said we did draw, but it kind of feels a little bit like a win. So hopefully everyone does have a good end of their week and a good start to their weekend. And We'll be back at some stage. If there's any breaking news, it does look like potentially there is something rumbling about Qatar, or obviously there always has been, but maybe one or two sort of verified counts from Qatar to seem to suggest that um, the ball is rolling with that bid. So if anything does break, we'll go live with something on Qatar. If not, um, in a couple of days after the Leicester match, um, unfortunately that again is at 1am on a Monday morning. So um, that is something we do have to deal with. But um, Larry, it's been a pleasure having you back, mate. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure to be back. Uh, and on and upward to Leicester. Let's get the three points. Fingers crossed. Until then, have a good weekend and we'll chat to you.